Fabulous. Good evening. Today is Wednesday, April 26th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is step nine. And our speaker is Kelly P. Go ahead, take it away, Kelly P. Hi, my name's Kelly. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater living in Houston, Texas. And by the grace of God, one day at a time, I've been abstinent and haven't had to eat sugar or eat compulsively for 25 years. Um, that is not something I have done. That is a result of working these steps as written in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, step nine is made, a, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And um, I wanna start on page 76 towards the bottom where it says, um, let's look at steps eight and nine. The way I read the text is that there's very little devoted to step eight. Step eight is just super, like you make a list. And, and when I make a list, I don't think about step nine. I don't think about, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna put them on my list because I don't wanna make amends. Like when I'm in step eight, I'm in step eight. When I'm in step nine, I'm not thinking about step 10, you know? So I, I stay in the step that I'm on. Um, so I've just got a few things underlined and I'm gonna just specifically go through the big book and then interject some of my experience, strength and hope as, as it deems necessary. Um, it says towards the bottom on page 76, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning, and this is italicized in the big book. That means it's important. We should take special note. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning. We would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol, over food, over whatever we're using to kill ourselves with. <laughs> So then over on page 77, it says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And um, that was really confusing for me when I was early in program and even still today, you know, like I wanted to go make these amends to people that I had hurt and I was so scared that they wouldn't accept it. And I remember talking to my sponsor and I was like, so number one, what if, what if they don't accept my amends, which happens? Um, and number two, why do I have to make amends to people that I don't want in my life? Like there are some people that I did wrong or I hurt, but I don't want to invite them over for lunch. Like, I don't want to be their friend anymore. I just, I want to clean it up and I want to move on. And um, that's what this reminds me of is that we just, fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And sometimes if I just pray or ask for the best possible relationship, my sponsor told me that sometimes no relationship is the best possible relationship. And that was really big for me to remember that. Like just because I open that door and quick do like a, an amends doesn't mean that we're going to be best friends again that gave me a lot of clarity and peace and it allowed me to move forward. 
down on the bottom of 77. And also just because I'm not reading all of it doesn't mean I don't love it. It just means that <laughs> there's just some things that I just stand out to me more than others. Um, under on page 77 on the bottom, the last paragraph, it says, under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue, oh, this is when they're talking about where you feel like this person's done you more harm than you've done than you've done them. It's important to still make amends because we're cleaning up our side of the street. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply, we tell him that we will never get over using until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. Like, I'm there for me. I'm there to save my own life. I am not there to get them to like me, to understand why I did what I did. I am there on a life and death errand. Like, if I don't want to kill myself with the food and the food behaviors, I have to go and humbly, honestly, expose myself and say, here's what I did. I don't need to say why I did it. I don't need to give excuses. I don't need to give reasons. Here's what I did. Here's what I'm going to do in the future. Here's what I'm trying to do to not do it again. And can you give me any feedback or is there anything that I may have forgotten? And then I shut my mouth and I walk out the door. I don't need to make plans to meet with them again over coffee or go to their kid's birthday party or invite them over. And then down on the bottom of page 78, it says, we must lose our fear of predators, no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to use if we are afraid to face them. When I was, when I was young in my teens and in my early 20s, I did a lot of shoplifting and stealing from um, employers. And um, I didn't really know how to make amends for that. It's just fuzzy. It was real fuzzy for me. And so I talked to my sponsor and she's like, you know, you just have to be willing. And so I, I worked retail and I called up the retail place that I had stolen from. And they said, it's going to be more of a headache for you to try to like pay us back for all the stuff you stole like five years ago. Just let it go. And I didn't, I didn't like that. So I talk, took that back to my sponsor because I'm like, well, maybe I'm off the hook, you know, like I did my part, la-di-da, I'm all good. Um, and I took that back to my sponsor and she was like, eh, you know, how free do you want to be? And I'm like, oh, okay. So we talked about it and what we decided to do was just put some cash in an envelope and send it to like human resources or just like, I can't even remember where I sent it, but I put cash, like this was in the nineties. Okay. <laughs> it's when people still used cash and envelopes and stamps and stuff. And so I put cash in an envelope and just mailed it. And I would just say a prayer over the envelope and I'd be like, okay, God, you know, once this money that I'm, that I'm sending leaves my hands and whoever receives it, it's out of my hands. Whoever receives it is supposed to get it. And I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I'm not in control. I was doing my part. And that felt really good to me. It felt clean. It felt like my intentions were good. Um, I didn't I didn't know how else I could do it because I was basically told by them that it was more of a headache if I tried to clean it up, like, like you know, in an, an official way. So that's how that worked. Um, 
I also would send money and make donations to like the food bank. And that really seemed to help too for like things that I had stolen. Um, and you know what the biggest thing I did was, is I stopped being a thief. I think that was one of the biggest um, changes that I could make for me for my own recovery is, is knowing that um, if I didn't work for it and if I didn't pay for it, it wasn't mine. And that included food. If the food isn't on my plate, it's not mine. You know, it, it, it's like in all my affairs to stop being a thief in all my affairs. If I buy the food for my kids and it's sitting in the pantry, it is not my food. Okay. That has helped me tremendously in my recovery. So over on page 79, at that first full paragraph, it says, all those, although, although those, these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding. Reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths, there's that, there's that phrase again, going to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. You know, I can hold my head up high today because I know that I, I can look anybody in the eye and know that my side of the street is clean. Today, I get to live with integrity. Um, I've made, I've made hard men's, you know, I was like, one that always has stood out to me is I was super mean to one of my cousins and I was a little kid, but you know, it always ate at me. And I made an appointment with her and as an adult and made an appointment with her and went to her house and told her exactly what I did, why I'm sorry, how I'm going to change the behavior and asked her if there was anything that I was forgetting. You know, and now when I see her at family functions, which is not very often, I don't feel like I have to avoid her or sit on the other side of the room and pray to God that she doesn't come and talk to me and say, do you remember that time that you did X, Y, and Z to me? Because I've aired it all and, and I listed it all out, you know, it, it, it goes back to like the fourth step of just taking a searching and fearless moral inventory. It's no different than taking a flashlight in a closet and saying, oh, I've got eight batteries and four light bulbs. It's just a fact finding mission. Like if I can just put my feelings aside and just face the facts, I feel for me, my amends go so much better. Um, and, and I love that they repeat it. And when they repeat things in the big book, it's imperative, just like with the italics. And again, it says, remember, <laughs> we agreed, like you agreed, you said, you said you were willing to go to any lengths. This is where the rubber meets the road. You know, isn't it someplace in like the, in the AA 12 and 12, it says, this is where the, it, the um, boys are separated from the men. I, I think it's something like that um, is making amends. You know, like we've got the list from our from our four step, like don't get rid of your four step because that's where you get your list of people that you owe amends to in your eight step. My first sponsor's like, go burn that baby. And I'm like, whoops. <laughs> so I had to recreate that. Don't burn your four step. Okay, over on. I'm getting to the good stuff. We're going to get to the premises, but I want to get I want to get this stuff here in 82 on the bottom. Um, so when it says alcoholic, I like to use the word addict just because for me it encompasses everything, but 
you know, use what you need. The alcoholic slash addict slash compulsive reader is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections have been uprooted, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of the cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he turns and remarks, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Like, I've been, uh, I've heard it that addicts are called, I consider myself an addict, um, self-seeking, no, self, oh, what is it? Relief-seeking missiles. Like, I am just a relief-seeking missile that will, like, barrel down anything that is in the way of me and the thing that's going to change the way I feel. Like, make me feel better. And then it's like, oh, well, we put the food down. We lost X pounds. Life should be perfect. And, like, we don't see the wreckage that we leave. I think that's why we have to do this because it helps us take accountability. It helps us, it helps us take ownership. And it might give us pause the next time we think that we're just hurting ourselves with a little extra. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody will know. It's just food. She doesn't care anyway. He doesn't care anyway. The kids can't tell I'm overeating. Nobody can tell. They'll never notice. They won't notice the sliver gone. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Oh yeah. 83, second, par or second sentence. It says, we must take the lead. Like, this is for me. I don't do this for the other people. I don't do this so that they love me more or they give me the job promotion or, or, or whatever. I do it for me. I do it because I'm the one that entered recovery. I am the one that decided I couldn't live the way I was living anymore. I'm the one to decide that I wanted to live. So I can keep doing what I was doing and live the way I was living, or I can do what I signed up to do and do the work. And nobody's going to make me do it. So it comes back to how free do I want to be? And then it says, even though you're making the amends to these people, their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible for like some of the ways they treated us. Like what? Okay. So we clean up house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. Now, I have it written in the margin that that's actually the step eight prayer. I don't know, and it doesn't matter. You use it where you need it. All right, down on the bottom of 83, it says, uh, don't delay, do it as quickly as possible. Uh, but we should be sensible, tact tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. I say, I apologize one time. That's it. That's it. I don't need to repeat myself. I do not need to be servile or scraping before anybody. I am a child of God, just like they are. I do not crawl before anyone. 
here's where we get the premises. And I know you've all read these a million times, but we're going to read them. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. That is a promise. But I have to work for them. I can't just lay back and, and think, well, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> at least the wind ain't blowing no more. You know, well, at least I lost that weight. Everything's going to be just fine now. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. I have a quick little, um, I don't know how I am on time, but. Um, I, I was a, just about to give you a five minute. Okay, morning. thank you. I'll, I'm about to wrap up here. Um, so I was pretty new in recovery. And this is just going to highlight why you need to run all amends that you think you owe past your sponsor before you do it. That's my PSA. Um, I was at a convention and I was leading it or whatever. It was a retreat. And uh, I was saying goodbye to people. And I didn't know these people. Um, I met a lot of people that weekend. And this woman walks up to me and she just gives me the biggest hug and she grabbed me by my shoulders and looked me dead in the eye and said, I am so glad I got to know you. You are not as big of a bitch as I thought you were. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Like, I didn't know what to say. Like, you too? I didn't know what to say. You know, how do you reply to that? Like, you're welcome. And so luckily I was leading this retreat with my sponsor and my sponsor heard it. And she's like, Kelly, that is why you have to talk to me about every amend that you think you need to make. Because like when I made that list and I ran it past her, I bet I walked away with a third, you know, like I started out with maybe like 30. I'm not very good at math. So I need to keep this real simple. A third of 30 is 10. I think I walked away with 10, you know. Um, it's just so important. And, and like, for me too, it was super important to not do step nine until I had done one through eight. For me, it was like, oh, I'm off the sugar and my life is great. And I lost five pounds and I need to tell everybody and just hurry up and clean everything up. And, and I'm also going to give up salt and I'm not going to swear anymore. And I'm going to start going to church again. You know how we get so excited and we want to change everything all at once. Yeah, um, that tends to backfire on me just a little bit. So um, thank you so much for letting me be of service tonight. It feels really good. Uh, step nine has probably saved my life. And, um, you know, it feels really good to be able to look people in the eye when I see them today, because 
I know that that I'm okay here. So thank you. Kelly P, thank you. That was beautiful. You are a beautiful example of what's what's available, what's possible to all of us if we work this program like our life depends on it. Mine sure does. Thank you so much for your service. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and I will call the raised hands in the order as I see them, and I'll and well, you will be asked to unmute, unmute when it's your turn. So Coco is our timekeeper, um, and please set the timer for three minutes for each share and announce when their time is up. And if the speakers ask the question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, so I have Alex who has her hand up. Go ahead, Alex. Everyone, Alex, compulsive uh, reader. Thanks, Kelly, for your share. And uh, this is pretty timely for me. I'm on step nine myself. Um, my question was, I just wanted to see if you could expand a little bit on the process of, uh, or if I understood this correctly, like cutting down your, your amends list to a shorter list. My list, to be honest, wasn't huge from the beginning, which surprised me because I was, you know, I was like, I'm a terrible person. It must have been a lot of people. But I think my harms were very specific to a few people in my life. So I, yeah, I just, I'd like some uh, guidance on how that was for you and, and how you knew when a harm was uh, something you needed to make an amends for. And maybe some examples of ones that you, you cut out. Thanks. So is this when I answer? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> One of them that really comes up for me over and over again is um, very short example. When I was in fourth grade, I begged and begged and begged to play the saxophone. My mother, who was a single mother and worked very, very hard for every penny that we had, rather than in rather than renting a saxophone, she went out of her way to spend like a thousand dollars on a saxophone and then hung it over my head. And then I hated playing this darn saxophone. I hated the instructor. I, I just hated it. And fifth grade, I was like, I'm done. Like, that's it. I, I tried. I tried. And she was livid. And so I went into my adulthood thinking that I was the worst child that ever lived because I made her spend all her hard-earned money on this saxophone. Um, you know what I mean? And so I, that was on my amends list. And my sponsor was like, uh, you know, you didn't make her buy that saxophone. She could have rented. And I was like, you can rent instruments? Like, I didn't know that. And um, it just that, you know, or I thought, or, or I think having thoughts about people. Another quick example is my mom and I got into a fight and I thought, I hope you fall down the steps and break your ankle. Well, guess what? She fell down the steps right then and there and broke her ankle. I didn't do that. But my little kid brain was like, I did that and I need to make amends. So anything like what before I was 18, I kind of don't. Eh. And then thoughts. Don't don't make my list. I hope that's helpful. 
Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Alex. Rachel? Hi, I'm Rachel, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, thanks so much for your share, Kelly. I just had a question. Um, how, how would you recommend to somebody going about doing an amends to someone that they have no contact with? And I mean, like hard, no contact. Um, you don't know where they live. You don't have their phone numbers anymore. The number you did have is blocked, um, email, everything. So how would you go about doing that if you can't necessarily get in touch with them? So I can't speak from experience on that. I don't have any experience on that. I don't feel qualified to answer that. Um, I would take that to prayer and I would journal about it. I would take it to my sponsor, but I can't, I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to mislead, like mislead you. Yeah. Thank you. Megan. Hi, I'm Megan, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, Kelly. Um, when you were talking about um, when you're making your amends and fitting yourself to be of maximum service to God and the people around you, you had listed like four different things that you do when making the amends. And I tried writing them down, but I missed one of them. So I got what I did, what I'm going to do in the future. I missed the third one and then I got any feedback. So I was hoping that you could tell me what the third thing was. What I did, what I'm going to do in the future, maybe how I can make it right, and then feedback, or I was on a roll. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. No worries. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Megan. All right. Who's next? Questions, comments? Amy B. Why can I not? Oops. Did I, okay, I did. Hi, Amy B, compulsive overeater, living very gratefully recovered from the food today. Thanks, Sally. Thanks, Subin. Thanks, uh, Coco, and everybody else doing service at this meeting. And thank you so much, Kelly, for leading us through the chapter so well. I'm in the middle of a fourth step right now, a really big fourth step. And it's thinking about, now I've been through the steps before, so it's not like my first time, but like thinking about the amends process, even the ones that I've made before and now looking at another fourth step, like this is the place where like, if I don't clean up my side of the street, it's coming back for me. And I'm seeing that in real time. And there's so much subtlety and nuance in the amends process, because as you point out, it's not to fix or change anybody else. And we can't relitigate the past. We can't change things. It really is like for our own spiritual growth. And, and that is so 
I, I appreciate I appreciate how you deferred on the question when you didn't have direct experience because it is so our spiritual growth and our experience and our honesty with ourselves about the specific situation and how it plays into our old story. I'll speak for myself, my old stories, my fears, my self-will run riot, unrestrained and dangerous. It ha it, we, I cannot make somebody else's amends. I cannot um, uh, 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 have, a, have a, an inauthentic experience with this. And, and I think that's what I'm sort of realizing as I'm going through a new fourth step is um, the closer I get to God, the better I, I get at understanding what a real amends looks like. And then that gets me closer to God. So like, it's beautiful, beautiful little catch 22 there. Anyway, I'm really grateful to be here tonight amongst all of you. Lovely to see old and new faces. Um, really just grateful to be uh, seen and accepted without shame. Uh, thanks, I pass. Thank you, Amy. Who else would like to share? <clears throat> I'll go ahead and jump in. I'm Sally, I'm a recovered compulsive eater. Hey, everybody. Just loved your share, loved all the referring you did to the book. And um, I'm in the process of an, another ninth step right now, went through the steps, deep, deep dive. I've been doing it for the last seven months and it's been profound. I couldn't see it any sooner, not a day sooner. I couldn't see this new stuff that I'm supposed to look at. And um, I have, I remember when I first got in the program, I stole so much. I mean, I stole from a bank I worked at. So like talk about being fearful to make an amends about that. Fortunately, the, um, what is that seven year, the statute of limitations went into effect, you know, in between. <laughs> so I, but I still paid them back. You know, I sent my money in every single month. My amends this time, um, so much of it, because I've been in the program for years and I do clean up stuff as it comes along, but is, is changing behaviors, you know, not the gossiping, not the sticking my nose into conversations and situations that are not in my business and seeing how I create chaos and shit when I think my way is better than your way. And I want to, I want to keep the people I love from suffering, but I want to share a really quick story about the magic of amends. Um, the last time I went through the steps, the previous time I, um, I had harmed this. I was really snotty to this woman at Bed Bath & Beyond. She didn't behave the way I wanted to as I was returning a vacuum cleaner. And I've told the story again so before, so some of you have heard it, but some of you haven't. Have it. it was really powerful. And so I, um, I was complaining to somebody that what this girl was doing again, had done to me and how rude she was. And I'm like, but I wonder if I own amend. And she said, well, if you're still talking about it, Sally, you, I think you need, you own an amend. So I set out to go and make an amend. And I was going to drive to Bed Bath & Beyond um, to make an amend to this woman for being a little snot to her. I was really disrespectful to this fellow child of God. 
But I was procrastinating, so I decided to make one more stop, which was about five miles from the Bed Bath Beyond. And I, I went in to make that one more stop to look, you know, shop, which is, you know, another thing I can do to distract. And um, this woman comes up to me and she says, oh, hi, can I help you? And I look at her and I'm like, holy shit. It was the sales girl from Bed Bath Beyond in this other store. And I'm like, my mouth dropped and I'm like, and this like loving being came out of me. I like took my hands in my hands and said, oh my God, I was just on my way to see you. I, I owe you an amend. I was really disrespectful to you a couple of weeks ago. And she had no idea what I was talking about, but it didn't matter. And I walked out of that store and I said, seriously, God, that's how, that's how much you have my back. So I have that's to remember sorry. that each and, and thank you. Each and every mend I do, God's holding my hand. Thank you, Pass. John, come on in. Well, I feel like I need to speak, even though it's not what I really feel like doing. So I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be on this meeting. And it's wonderful to have people talking about hard amends and um, addicts and behaviors. And uh, I really appreciate what you said about the um, the whirlwind of destruction and chaos. I can't remember the wording that you used, but the woman yesterday said that pretty much the same thing. And, you know, in my whole life, I was in survival mode, barely trying to survive. And so I didn't really see the wreckage that I was causing other people. I was trying to get by and trying to make it through. And so it's helpful to just be reminded that, you know, I am much more of a problem than I think. I have a very good friend of mine who's in the program, and he said to me one time, you know, John, you grew up in such a dysfunctional family, you don't realize how harsh you were. You just have no basis of comparison. And I was really shocked by that. I didn't think I was harsh at all. Um, but obviously, this guy thought I was harsh enough that I needed to, you know, be have it mentioned to me. Um, there was something else I was going to share, but I, my mind went blank. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure that I uh, I didn't pretend not to have anything to say. Thank you. Thanks, John. All righty, let's see what time do we have? Well, let's go ahead and stop the recording.